Welcome to the Young Adult in Ministry Podcast, the Yamcast, where we talk about everything the church needs to know and some things you don't need to know about failing forward in young adult ministry. We are starting these monthly podcasts with a discussion about the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, and anything else we feel like. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from Boise, Idaho. My name is Jeremy, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm I'm Chris from Cincinnati, Ohio. And here we go. So we do want to get to talking to the book today. Um, we're, We're wrapping up Culture Corner here and kind of transitioning into sustainable young adult ministry making it work, making it last. We did chapters six and seven. Look at the hard copy, people. I'm on the Kindle. Six and seven last time. Mistake number five, wait until they're ready. Mistake number six, give up too soon. And today we're talking about chapters eight and nine. Chapter eight is beyond fixing. And chapter nine is paradox number one, succeed by being willing to fail. Where shall we begin, friends? Uh, well, I think it's a good segue that, you know, some of these these four points in the Burlap, you know, article on millennials is, you know, the, the one about discipleship there. I think this really is important that um, the church really has to rethink what discipleship looks like. And it's not just transmission of information, but it really has to be relational. It has to be like this kind of the mentoring with reverse mentoring, like the relational. um, And I think it fits this whole being willing to fail. um, It it just comes back back to the whole thing of of spending time with young adults instead of trying to do things for young adults. And I think discipleship has to be done in that way that I'm going to do discipleship, do life um, oriented towards Christ with a young adult, that that is the way we, we ought to think about discipleship and not, I need to transmit, you know, this information or make sure they believe these, these 10 things, you know, about what it is to be a Nazarene or a Christian or whatever. <laughs> um, so anyway, I think, I think that is a good um, connection between some stuff in that article and where we, where this chapter is going as it begins to discuss these uh, paradoxes and which turn into really strategies of this is how you build sustainable, lasting young adult ministry. Um, but I, th- I think if we're, we're still stuck at the program level where we're trying to come up with a perfect program, this, this chapter titled Beyond Fixing starts with this, this story about the French electrician that's stuck in the Moroccan desert. This story is inspiring to me. I just got to keep rereading it. Uh, the, the bottom line is asking the question of what if with what we're doing with young adults and following this electrician's example, he's asking himself two questions. Am I going to, am I going to, um, uh, do I have enough food? Am I going to starve? Can I? Yeah. Starve. What, what is it when you, when you don't have enough water, what do you call that? Wow. Dehydrate. My brain Sunday afternoon. Dehydrate. Am I going to, yeah. Die of, uh, am I going to die of thirst? Am I going to die of starvation? Uh, will I be able to fix the car? What does he do? He finally gets to a place where he goes, what if? Takes apart the car, reassembles it, turns it into a motorcycle, and scoots out of the desert. How do I apply that to my church setting, my ministry setting? Uh, 
with, with young adults. And, and again, like you said, with young adults, not for young adults, I'm not making desert scooters for young adults and trying to sell them on riding them. Um, it's what do we have to work with instead of just creating an either or situation? And this is something that I got from Shane Claiborne back in the day. Um, but what's that third creative alternative that Jesus always presents in the narrative of the gospels? Uh, people expect him to do either this or that. And Jesus goes, nope, here's this other creative thing that we're going to do that's going to advance the kingdom of God. And so I want to be asking those what if questions in my context with young adults and the elements that I have to work with. Yeah. I think that's really good. I, I I kind of stuck on the thought of an Etsy shop that's called like Wade Cycles, where it's just motorcycles made out of scrapped cars. Um, as you're as you're continuing to um, uh, adventure through uh, different gig economies, that's all I could 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 stick on that you're selling those for for us mm. eco friendly uh, millennials and young people. Um, <laughs> so you're saying there's a market. Speaking for the entire entire millennial generation, yes. Um, <laughs> As you should. I, I think um, the, it's interesting. I, just, to, I think it's oh, ahead, uh, the thing that stuck out to me was um, that that question of what if. Uh, how do we we change the questions that that we're asking? How do we? Um, but I think even more importantly, as we seek to change our approaches, the, the title of this chapter is Beyond Fixing, and at least for me. Um, it's kind of like a uh, a, a two part uh, way of understanding it. That part of it is that what we have been doing, we can't just make it do what it's doing better. We can't just do a systems upgrade, uh, or if it's a car, we can't just add better tires to it and expect it to work. So in some ways, what we've done is beyond fixing. Not because necessarily something's broken down, though. Sometimes it has. Part of it is beyond fixing, is because it's not accomplishing the fruit and the and the results that we want it to accomplish anymore. And I think this can be extrapolated across a lot of uh, what we were doing as a church, especially in the times that we find ourselves in now in 2020, um, but that we don't just scrap everything that the church has done in the past. We um, There is some stuff that we, we build off of um, and move um, into new places. But I think part of it is that we, we, we use and retool what's been used in the past the, the broken down car and to make it into a motorcycle that it's not. Um, and I think that's part of, I've seen it in a few different churches, ones that I've served in ones that I've um, been a part of or observed where it's like, you want to do this new thing. And that means you just want to get rid of everything that we've done and you're throwing out all, all tradition and um, all of our history. Um, and some of the things we do, we do because we've learned lessons um, that it's the best way to do it. But sometimes those lessons are from a different time and they no longer apply. Uh, but I think an important thing to remember as this chapter being um, the the altering point, um, you could maybe call it the, the pivot point um, of the conversation um, in this... <laughs> in this book this takes us from identifying the problems to saying how do we then uh, move forward uh, taking the best of what we've done in the past but doing stuff in new ways as we get into some of the rest of the book a, a couple other things in this chapter um that they recommended uh, attacking towards are taking the focus off of young adults to benefit young adults and so one of those things is including um, inviting older adults 
into the mix and the relationship with with young adults. I think that this is the secret weapon that every church has, no matter its size. Um, the 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 U.S. the North American church is lamenting churches that are dying and have older congregations. But if some of those uh, older folks in the congregation would see themselves as a relational secret weapon that could grandparents some young adults and love on them, um, again, no matter their church size, that could that could really like weaponize discipleship for the kingdom uh, relationally and also resource it in a lot of ways. Um, and then um, the best ministry with young adults happens when we equip them for life beyond our church, even if they stay. It's a transient season of life, not just a demographic, I mean, the demographic, but this, you know, 18 to 30-ish. Transient. Plan for them to leave. Invest in them like they're going to leave, but don't not invest in them because you know they're going to leave. Surround them with those grandparents. Surround them with the champions. Surround them with the advocates. Love the way that your church is equipped to love on young adults and then listen to them about the ways that that they want to be led. And then earlier in the chapter, it says this, and then follow them there. Let them lead and follow them there. how do I do that? That's some of the questions that I'm asking myself is how do I get out of the way as a leader to allow young adults to lead me to where we need to be? Yeah, there's some good stuff inspiring here where it kind of makes me want to want to like, okay, who's who's the next like young adult college student I can come alongside of? And I basically just need to be like encouraging them, whispering in their ear, you know, things that make them want to make an impact in the world and like realize that God is calling them to be who they are and do something great that has kingdom impact and can really change the world and stuff like, how can you be whispering and, and nudging someone that direction and then kind of see where, where that takes them, where the spirit leads and just sort of kind of come along for the ride, but also play in a, a supportive mentoring coaching, you know, role through that process um, to me, that's that's one of the shifts I'm trying to make is to quit coming at, you know, this age group as if I have some answers and they just need to listen to me and, and figure this out the way I did. Although one of the ways I figured this out, I would say, and what you said about the relational secret weapon, you know, when I was a freshman at Anderson University back in 1919-something, uh, 1919, um, 1989, uh, freshman, Anderson University, this is as or before I'm feeling called into ministry, and I ended up transferring to Mount Vernon to finish, but I was at Anderson University, chemistry and physics double major, but I was going to... Uh, the Nazarene Church, Anderson First Church, the Nazarene. Now, I didn't have a grandfather growing up. Um, one died before I was born. Another one died when I was five. So I never really knew any of my grandfathers. Um, but there was a guy in the church um, who I who was basically a grand a grandpa figure for me, and he took me fishing, fly fishing. I learned to fly fish with him. And we'd go about once a month, you know, during sort of fishing season. Uh, And I was only there a year. So, you know, three or four times we went fishing. But anyway, um, 
my, the best fishing experience of my life. I still think back to, you know, this guy who was like my adopted grandpa, you know, during my freshman year of college. So yeah, I think there's amazing opportunities like that for, you know, people to invest. Again, we just have to come alongside even the, you know, the older uh, folks in the church, the different generations, we need to be whispering in their ears too. You know, stories are just, hey, you could do this. You know, we've got this young adult ministry class at my church that I'm a part of. It's really driven by one couple in the church who has kids about the same age as my kids. One's a college student, one's a high school student. Um, and they just kind of opened up their home and uh, provided a place for college-age young adults to start hanging out. And it's mainly been focused on the last two or three years of our high school grads really trying to invest in them and be more intentional with that over the next few years and see what kind of fruit that bears. But anyway, it's just a regular couple in our church. They both have jobs, but they're just willing to open their home. They love this age group because their kid is this age. Um, but, you know, it could be somebody older or whatever. Uh, but anyway, I think those are good um, good places to start for people who are just trying to think, you know, a lot of times people ask us like, okay, what, what do we do to start a young adult ministry or to do this or that? So. Jeremy, were you going to say something there? No, I just, um, what the two of you have just shared, I I think is really, (laughs) I think what the two of you shared, um, is really good and is, um, um, I think a good summation of some of the the best parts of this of this chapter, and I know even in um, some of our Facebook comments right now, um, the conversation of how do you best relate to and serve young adults, like our friend Carol um, asked on Facebook just a few minutes ago, um, and I think what you said, um, I think you both said it in in different ways, in really good ways. The one that is succinct and stuck out in my head, uh, Kenny, is what you just said is that um, for our churches we need to love, um, in the ways that we're equipped to love. Um, and that looks, you know, different if you have abilities with fly fishing, um, or if you have a passion for opening up your home, um, and being able to have people come over for a meal and have community together. Um, and I think being willing to, to love in those ways and, moving into the chapter nine of this book and the first paradox being, being willing, um, you succeed by being willing to fail, that being willing to to just attempt things um, and try things out um, and ask the question, what if? And be willing to try to find together the answers of what if we engaged in the mission of God together, um, what that could look like. I know at our church, um, it's somewhat been put on pause because of uh, coronavirus, uh, but we actually, um, at the start of this year, um, were able to allocate some um, funds from a few members of our congregation to say, hey, we want to invest in what the Holy Spirit is saying um, and God's mission to our young people. And so it was an invitation of what we called the Imagine Project, where um, students, young adults um, from age, I think it was 18 to 25, um, could apply to um, request a grant for some type of community building, ministry, um, opportunity um, and bring together other members of our church to um, decide on on which projects we invest in, kind of like a like a startup uh, fund. But then also um, 
be able to do it together. Um, and so um, we had some really, really creative ideas, um, some of them from local students, some of them from those outside um, of our city that were, are coming here as students. Um, and unfortunately, we had to pause um, a lot of that, but it makes me really excited to see what what got, even in, during this time, we've been receiving applications um, as students have been praying and discerning how they can engage in God's mission. And it gets me excited about how in the coming days, we can then in different ways as a congregation participate with them leading into what God might be up to like in our that. church and in our city. I want to ask you more about that because I, I think that's something that could that, that could maybe have some potential here locally if young adults are interested in it. Um, and, and maybe even with our church district, our network of, uh, of churches. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to hit you up on that, Jeremy. Um, now we're, we're wrapping up here in the next couple of minutes. I just wanted to share uh, the, for me, that was kind of the defining quote of this chapter on paradoxes and failing forward with, uh, with young adult ministry, most churches would rather succeed at doing what doesn't work than risk failing at what might. Wow. Like let's, let's fail forward. Um, I don't want to stay in my, my comfort zone and, and ruin stuff. Most churches would rather succeed at doing what doesn't work, but we give it our best shot than risk failing at, at what might work or going into the unknown where the monsters are off the map. Um, here's, here's my two, let, let me tell you two things that I think are success navigating Corona, because I, some of the stuff here, I keep thinking about gathering with people and we're getting back. We're, we're, we're not getting back to, that's the wrong way to think and say that we're moving forward to meeting together again, uh, in person as a church. Uh, but it's the one undergrad that is getting together on his own with some friends online that are fellow believers and they're doing stuff together. To me, that's success. It's not my success. It's the success of young adults, a part of our church body that are helping to foster community together. And so I'm, I'm reaching out to him, seeing how he's doing, how I can pray for him. Um, we may or may not have talked about him before in previous things regarding uh, shopping for clothing online. Um, I don't remember if those were recorded statements or not. And then another one with our older young adults and that, you know, the month, the monthly lunches that we were having that we can't do anymore. Uh, we, the, we could, we could virtually gather with them. And I want to ask them that question. If they want to do that, I've offered that to them. That hasn't come back to me as something that they want to facilitate I'm not going to force it on them. So I feel productive. Um, but they've been staying in touch with each other. They've been checking on each other. Uh, and then they're connected to other parts of our church. So I feel like if I've got those few kind of key relationships that I'm invested in, the one-on-ones of just how they're doing everything, I don't need to gather a bunch of people to feel good about we have a young adult ministry virtually or in person. Um, I'm getting I'm getting a little bit frustrated with some of the things I'm hearing broadly about counting likes and engagement. And it feels like a migration of attractional church to the interweb, um, to the interwebs. And now what are we going to do with that? Um, yeah, there's a whole lot of different places to go there, but I, I, I don't want to succeed at the wrong things. I'd rather fail forward and invest in those one-on-one relationships like you guys were talking about. And one of the cautions, I think, is to, to redefine failure or be careful that we don't 
we don't decide something fails right away because it didn't attract enough people or didn't really take off. I think one of like our podcast, for instance, (laughs) I think one of the things you really have to commit to with college and young adult ministry is just really consistent presence, persistence. Um, Now, not if you're doing, you know, stupid stuff or like, I, I don't, I don't mean if I, if I keep doing something that's really all about me needing to be uh, the great ministry provider, I'm not talking about that. But sometimes in young adult ministry, it's easy to try something and only three people show up and say, oh, that didn't work. Let's try something different next week. So we're not trying to say fail weekly. Um, <laughs> but I mean, give things a really, give things a really good go. Be consistent, be persistent uh, for a bit. But yeah, then I think be willing to shift gears. Um, uh, yeah. But I think more of these, the failures the chapter's talking about is are just things that are going to, from a church standpoint, they're going to look like uh, poor investment of time or resources or this or that. I think that's the kind of failure perception they're talking about in in this in this chapter but well let me let me uh draw our perforated conversational line right there fellas and let me let me take us out with our little outro liturgy it's been so good connecting uh with you guys the conversation and anyone anybody that's joined us whether live here or once this gets posted and you join us in in the podcast we'd love for you to read along with us we would love for you to message us individually or on Instagram at Young Adult Ministry Podcast. I should know the name of our Instagram, Young Adult Ministry Podcast. It's got an underscore between the words. Um, but here we go. Until next time. Hey, keep failing forward. Be present. Be teachable. And be flexible. And as always, try something new. See you guys. <laughs> Thank you.